All right, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. For all the links for all the things, you can check out buddywalkwithjesus.com uh, as well as down in the episode description below has everything. Um, cool little uh, update. We are um, a little over halfway funded for the project that we're trying to do in Michigan this um this summer and so if uh if that's something that you're that you're interested in in supporting um definitely reach out we have uh tons of options and then uh last but not least uh if you are in need of prayer do not hesitate to reach out prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com so this week we are um continuing on talking about um the anatomy of a misfit and you know like we talked about last week with andrew the idea here is we want to open up the mic for people that have found themselves on the fringe right an outcast a misfit if you will and be able to see kind of what the what the through line is of it all because I'm pretty convinced that if we have enough stories, you know, enough perspectives on this thing, that through lines will start to emerge of kind of why there is this contingent of people within ministry that are classified as misfits. And so this week, if we're talking about misfits, then Brother Matthew himself has to be in that conversation. So so this week, I want to welcome back Brother Matthew from Reconstructed. Uh, why did I just why did I just blank on your on the name of your show? So it's Reconstructed Faith, and then the new one I'm doing right now is the Commuter Christian. Cool. So um let's let's talk. You know, you and I you and I have had an interesting relationship thus far. And it's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually just talking to somebody. Um, I had I had uh, coffee this morning with a local area pastor. Um, uh-huh. And we, I was talking about our, you, you and I, and, and how there's such proof text to the Spirit's involvement with with us in particular and our paths crossing and all of those kinds of things because you see you know and i'm not using these terms politically but one person coming from like hard left the other person coming from hard right like i said i don't mean any implication for that for as far as affiliation or anything but right. two very different perspectives and you've seen you could see these this this gradual pulling towards a middle ground you know what i mean some of your academia rubbing off on me some of my kingdom language rubbing off on you and and that to me has been an awesome i mean it's been an awesome experience it's been it's been frustrating at times but it's it's, <laughs> it's ultimately really really cool to look back at but 
it opens it opens up this conversation, right? Because one of the things that we have in common, it's the same thing that same reason why this whole conversation started with the namesake with Andrew, right? The ministry right. for himself. And and there we all kind of have this common ground that while we come from different contexts and we come from different uh, different specific approaches, right? Andrew's got his um the, his societal cultural sort of uh, sort of focus you with academics right. me with kingdom within the church that sort of conversation we all find ourselves in this position of we are we are by and large considered misfits and it's easy right, right. it's the low hanging fruit to turn around and to say you know screw them and and what they think of us and this is what's wrong with them and all of those kinds of things that's not really the interesting conversation to me. The interesting conversation is figuring out what makes the misfit tick. So let's start to unpack, you know, obviously it's nuanced and it's layered and all of those kinds of things, but start to unpack right. what has so firmly qualified you within the misfit camp. Uh, well, the... There's an element where I'm just kind of just cut different. I mean, that that's true. Um, I have that. I do have that rebel side to my personality. If everything is doing thing A, I will do thing B. Even if I don't like thing B, I just can't be doing what everyone else is doing. So there's, there's that element to it. But... God put that there. He makes us who we are. And even when we're in our fallen state, we're, there's a there's a perfected version of that thing. Yeah. So of of the misfit nature, of the rebellious nature, there's a God version of that. And I'm still Still working that out, still trying to find that, uh, you know, so that's a piece of it is just the, you know, the, the rock and roll, I'm going to do the different thing aspect. Um, I never set out in ministry, at least, to try and be some kind of misfit. Oh, but here we are. I think that finds us. I don't think any one of us sets out to be a, a misfit per se. Um, right. I, I, I think in the court, I think the court of public opinion has absolutely um, served us a guilty sentence of being misfits, and, and I use mm -hmm. that language very specifically. And I'm sure we'll get to that sort of language when it comes to God and things like that. But I honestly, I think one of those things that you and I do see eye to eye on, and it's maybe part of the reason why um, we we are a little bit bristly sometimes towards <laughs> one another, um, is, man, we are a little bit, we, we're both rock and roll, man. Like, that's, it's that, yeah. that sort of spirit that you have that. Yep. And I love, I love what you say there, because you're right. Not only... Did God know us before before we were born? And that's that's a whole other conversation. But also, <laughs> you have you even even 
when you look at the imperfection perfected version of it, you can still kind of you can see proof text in in all of that. But when you when you understand and acknowledge the fact that through time and relationship and all of the things of God, right, you start to see a manipulation of this thing that has a tendency of getting us in trouble or has a tendency of, you know, leading to bad decisions or something along those lines, all in the name of rebellion, you know, (laughs) start to take shape into something that maybe is a little bit uh, willing to beg for forgiveness than to ask for permission for opportunities to spread the gospel and do different right. things like that and and be able to see this thing that God really will take and work ultimately for the greater good. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I really can't talk about where I am now, kind of how I got to this place without really talking about the deconstruction experience. They go together for me, you know, because I'm, I am half reformed, half deconstructed. So, you know, right there, I mean, that is the source of the problem for me. I'm, you know, when I, when God started to show me there was more, I instantly started kind of going both those directions as I was learning. Um, because, well, there, there's so much out there and without a community around me to really kind of guide me in where to look and what the right direction is and all of that. So you know, I started getting into uh, biblical criticism and literary views and like ancient Eastern theology and all of that stuff. So more in that the Bible doesn't say what we think it says kind of direction on the one hand on the other hand i was studying history and um theology proper and all of that stuff and fell into reformed theology like through and through like i was cage stage for quite a while there just um so in my mind i have these two very different trains of thought that exist simultaneously sometimes at war with themselves and i am the i have become the personification of that just in the way that i think and the things that i say and my attitudes towards everything um you know on the one hand i am sola scriptura right the bible only is the truth for faith and life and salvation Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I have a completely different perspective on how to read the Bible and what it's supposed to mean versus kind of what tradition has handed down to us from the more critical side of my brain. So, um, to the deconstructed, I am far too founded in the scripture. Right. The Bible ladders way too much for me, for them. So I don't get along with the ex-evangelical deconstructed crowd. Right. Um, 
to my reformed brothers, whom I love, whom I share a, a lot in common with in my views, um, in a lot of stuff, um, I am I am far too theologically liberal and far too progressive and far too critical and, um, you know, not traditional and all these other things. So I don't really fit into that camp either. So I am in this place where I'm kind I feel like I'm looking at the truth from both sides, trying to figure out how it all works together. Um, where, you know, the objective kind of middle ground is. Can you soundbite what criticism in this context looks like for people that that don't because that's that's a term I think that's one of those terms that we kind of throw out because of the area in which we we sit that's those are that sure. language and things that that to us um, is very commonplace and is not to everybody so I think to just to make sure that that everybody is following the rabbit here if you could like soundbite that that would be great um, sure. So biblical criticism is really in a soundbite form. It is the idea of looking at the human perspective of the scriptures. So often we talk about the inerrancy and the infallibility of scripture and that it's God's word. Um, we say we believe in dual authorship but we never really look at the human piece of that. So what higher criticism does is it looks at the culture of the authors, the cultures that were around the authors. So, you know, Babylon, Egypt, those things. It looks at their mythologies, their religious beliefs. So the stuff that would have been around the biblical authors to influence their existing kind of mental paradigm and it it tries to emphasize like not to emphasize it over the god piece but to kind of introduce that back into the way we understand scripture to try try to get at what the authors thought about what they were writing rather than just kind of looking at it from the god perspective So, from what I, from what I understand, and it's it's funny because I I hear from you guys, and there's about half of this story that I'm I'm 100 there for. I get it. I I've I've walked that a very similar road. There's this other half of mm, the baggage of time spent <laughs> within the church in a way like. You guys talk about this kind of yeah. revelation moment, I guess, of, of sorts, of, of kind of deconstructing or, you know, when it, when it all kind of, when the pieces started coming together, that sort of thing. And that's kind of, the more I hear from, from everybody, like, when, I'm, when we're talking about authentic time in relationship with God, not talking mm-hmm. about the exposure beforehand. I know, like, the, the community knows my story as far as all of that goes. I, it's not that I hide from that by any stretch of the imagination. But there's, there are flawed humans that, that were giving a flawed message, and there's not much more that need, that need to go into that. But it's, it's this idea that 
you know, God kind of smartened me up pretty quick when it comes to the actual relationship portion of it. So that portion of it is the portion that I hear both you and Andrew talk about that that's, it's so fascinating to me because that's just not, that's not my arena. That's not, that's not my fight. It's, I, I see some of the spillover because of the stuff that I do get involved with when you start to get into, well, where did these practices actually come from? What is the right. evangelicalism actually? What is actually the kingdom? All of those kinds of things. Like, but, but the second that you, it's this weird, it's it, again, this weird in between. We keep talking about nuance because you, you have to, right. in order to fully understand this, you have to get the nuance, right? Because I think you, you, you of all people will get this. I, I do not stand with the Calvinists. I do not stand with the Arminians. I do not stand with the Baptists. I do not stand with, with each one of these labels, first and foremost, right? The label I'm allergic to. I'm, I'm, no. But, yeah. But when I, when I look around, and I'm talking about just standing on the side of scripture, not standing on the side of any one particular group. And I look to my left and I look to my right and I look at the people who are standing with me to help me hold the line for truth. I see Calvinists, I see Arminians, I see Baptists, I see Catholics, I see everybody from these different groups that, that fall under these categories. But first and foremost, they're holding the line for truth. Everything else falls second, right? right? And, and when you do that, that's beautiful. But to a lot of people, what I just described is a form of heresy. And you say, you hear that and you're like, well, wait a minute. Why is that heresy? Because truth is coming before tradition. Truth is coming above opinion, over moral comfort, over these other things that even though we don't necessarily want to talk about them, we don't want to necessarily admit to the fact that this plays into it. Being purposeful about putting truth first, I'm just, I'm, I can only speak from experience when I say this, right? It, it puts you in this weird, almost antagonistic kind of role to American evangelicalism. And I, and I draw that line because all of you guys that I talk to, guys, I, I just, I always need to, need to stop and say, every single one of you that are from different parts of the world that hit me up, that tell me your story, that tell me about these miraculous things that are happening are just, oh, it's so life-giving because I see cultures and communities from around the world that just take in the supernatural or take in these very real experiences or just take in truth and don't have to put it up against the baggage of tradition and this and that. And it's just this, this flowing experience for them that almost becomes like, you almost become envious because we're so tied down with all of the baggage of everything. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, I really appreciate that truth aspect um you know that um but there's a love piece too you know which is really 
really what I've had to learn because in in my church life, I have kind of lived both extremes of that. So I was saved in, baptized in, discipled in, trained up in, trained up in ministry in a Baptist church. So, you know, all of the theology and all of the doctrine and everything, you, you know, you had your ducks in a row, but you really couldn't question it either. Right. You know, if you were to, um, if you were to question it, you would get the, well, because the Bible says so, you know, answer. And there was really not the context to question it at all. And, um, you know, great lovers of truth, defenders of the gospel, you know, there, I learned to draw my lines where God draws his, yeah. Uh, you know, lived lived my twenties of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Got divorced, came back to the church that I that my family went to when I was little. So, my my, um, and that was completely the other side. So that is love God, love your neighbor. You know, they we are in the community doing all of these good things. But I don't ever hear any kind of hardline stances on morality, on the truth. Um, you know, doctrine is like, it's not just that our doctrine is just whatever. It's that like, it's very much a, well, leave theology to the theologians and doctrine divides. We just need to love people kind of mentality. So... Um, God put me into that context to teach me relationship to how to love him and how to love people. But I very quickly reached that. Okay, but there's more to this moment where I was trying to put those two pieces together in my brain. The hardline truth side that I was kind of trained in and then the you know love God love your neighbor side that um, I grew up in as a small child and I'm now part of again so I've just both extremes are too far so I I'm the guy that is trying to uncompromisingly love people while uh, while not compromising the truth either so trying to find that middle ground of perfect love and perfect truth so um and that's hard when a lot of us let the world define what love looks like instead of letting the scripture define what love is we've had so many conversations about love. And it's funny because at a practical standpoint, the practicality of, of showing love and showing vulnerability and all of those kinds of things, that, that part of it's fine. That part of it does not escape me. But at the application layer, and, and this this took, you know, this took, this took a, a number of years preaching this 
for me for this to for this to click that just because we're Christians doesn't mean that automatically we get downloaded with all of the truth. You know what I mean? And and as much as as it would be a much a much <laughs> easier world sometimes yeah. as a Christian to get downloaded with all of the truth, part of love, yes, is telling the truth. However, it also includes giving people what they can handle. And that that's something that is that is firmly the season of my life that I am in right now of understanding <clears throat> the finer points mm. of, you know, <clears throat> we, it's easy for us, right? Those of us with loud personalities can very easily break into a bit and do the whole thing. And, you know, there's, I don't shy away from <laughs> saying like when I was, when I was learning how to be a broadcaster, I would watch guys like Richard Pryor or Andrew Dice Clay people that had these big lively personalities and things like that that just jive well with my personality and my approach and all of those kinds of things i break into a bit totally fine but there's a difference between being a good performer a good personality and being a good teacher and for those of us that have been Ooh. called into teaching there is a heightened responsibility on us, like it or not. That's just the deal. And part of that I've come to understand Absolutely. is learning how to properly do this, how to properly convey to a point where you are loving on people while telling the truth. You know what I mean? And that the the actual execution of that mm -hmm. is so varied and so so situational that it doesn't even it's not, I, don't, I really don't think it's helpful to go into like examples or anything like that you just gotta be be sensitive to the situation and have your eyes open to what to what is going on around you and honestly that takes that takes care of a good 85 percent of your way down the field and you're you know if you're just intentional about about it but you know we we can we can sit there and, and and bang the drum and yell at the top of our lungs and get so passionate and get so worked up and and just we can have the this this eloquent presentation but if all we're doing is standing there trying to convince other people because this is our point of view you can have all the best intentions but the road to hell is paved with those you know what I mean? And that's that's a very fine line, especially when you don't you're not taking your cues from something that's established in the way that tradition is. And by that I mean theology is established, yes, but that's situational. Tradition tries to say one size fits all. And if you go the traditional route, it takes a lot of the higher thinking out of it. It takes a lot of the awareness out of it. Just if I do this, this is what happens. You know what I mean? It's kind of a more formulaic and takes a lot of the guesswork. So, so if you're not falling back on that, then you really do need to fall back on God because you, you are suddenly confronted in a very real way with this idea that it is, it, it may be, it may be you that does the planting, 
it may be somebody else that does the watering. But it's only God that gives the increase. So, what does the day in a life for somebody on your side of this this culture look like? Meaning, you know... <laughs> It sometimes feel it doesn't I feel have like a side. It, you know what I mean, and that's that's honestly in and of its in and of itself part of this conversation that that yeah. begs to be had. You know, Andrew and I talked about this a little bit. That you know, I think somebody, I think sometimes people think that we are contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. Like we get. Well, I mean, when it comes to, sometimes I am when it comes to the actual like. <laughs> Standing against everybody, just you know, and and like we get satisfaction out of out of Mm. that part in particular. When you consider the fact that we stand up for truth in our own, are are some of the same people that that pick up the rocks to throw, and all of those kinds of things. And you are you are far further entrenched in the discourse of it all you know so un- unpack that portion of interacting and what that does to this desire of like how how that interacts with this desire to to speak truth in love when it doesn't seem like you can say the right thing Like at, I used to worry a lot more about it. Well, well, actually not. So, so in 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 the beginning, you know, it was very much just you know, here's the truth, deal with it, because that's kind of where I was at. I was just that, uh, you know, that trumpet of the truth that everyone's trying to block out. But um, I began to realize that. And uh, for a while, you really began to care about, um, you know, okay, well, well, is this loving enough? Okay, well, does this compromise this thing here and that thing and this thing? Um, and then, so, n- now I'm on the other side again. Because I realized it, it's the perspectives that I talked about before. So to those who are really focused on what's true and doubling down on the truth aspect, the the attempt at tenderness that I try and have uh, seems like, you know, and, and I can go into labels, it seems like wokeness, softness, progressivism, whatever, to the hardline um, to the hardline truth. So, you know, to them, I'm always preaching about listening to the stories, understanding the narrative, because, yes, while there is objective truth, 
because of the human condition and the different lives that we have lived, we we all have a subjective ex- experience of that objective truth, and we need to learn we need to learn who people are and learn their stories so we can learn to speak truth. Really, as you said earlier, alongside people instead of at people to speak to them instead of at them. And then, you know, to the other side, because I'm because I'm still focused on not crossing God's lines, on drawing my lines where God is, um, you know, I hate gays and hate trans and, you know, whatever else the hot topic of the right now is because I have a biblical stance on those things. So, um, so to them, while understanding what they've experienced and how they feel and this and that, um, I'm still speaking to them truth. So they don't really like me either. Um, you know, so so I am again, I'm in this place where um, the one side says I am woke and compromised and lukewarm and this thing or that thing. And um, then, you know, the other side says that all I do is hate people. I'm this phobic and that phobic and, you know, um, whatever other made up term they want to throw at me. So a day in the life. When I choose to engage, which is less these days, um, I have learned to not fight every battle and to not die on every hill. <laughs> but um, really just looks at, looks like getting it from both sides, kind of pointing out the problems in the ideologies of both sides. You know, I always say, I'm trying to get the truth side to love people. And I'm trying to get the love side to understand the truth. So to turn on the, to turn on the brains of those who are all heart. Right. And to turn on the hearts of those that <clears throat> and, are and all I, brain. It's hard in a world where generally speaking, truth is offensive. And it's far right. too easy in today's world to say um, you disagree with me, so that means you hate me, or or you don't understand me, or whatever. And the the reality is right. is that there is right. there is a, a very nuanced fine line to this idea that the second that you hold back from somebody, you hold back the gospel, you hold back truth, you you separate from somebody because of some kind of reason, like, you know, if it's, if it's uh, gender or this or that, whatever, you, you, you are, you are, that, that is a sin to hold back God from a person just out and out. And and showing yep. love first and foremost, not your opinion, not your not your stance, but just love. 
That's the kind of thing that changes the world. The idea is that you are displaying Jesus. Yes, that is part. Part of it is conveying the things of Jesus. But if we can maybe move off of this idea that we are working people towards a salvation experience that may clear up some of the confusion when it comes to dividing between how how do i show truth how do i how do i display love how do i do this how do i do that that's a that's a combination thing and and part of the problem that i find with humans is that we like to separate those things and coming bringing those things together and trying to display those things as one one piece is something that is difficult because not only are we are we human in so far as we're not sure we're not going to get this right and figure it out completely but also displaying this for people that don't that that are firmly entrenched in what they believe to be true is a whole other ball of wax because they've already had the, had their minds figured out about what what exactly all of this is and what terms mean and all of those kinds of things <clears throat> and, and it, it's it is a balancing act that is is I'm coming to understand that it's only a balancing act because of the human element. God doesn't mince words about it. God doesn't hold back about it. This is not something that is shrouded in mystery or anything like that. We are given a very, very clear-cut example. But before we get to the point of stepping up to the plate to do that, we have to contend with the 87 other ideas that our brain has has thought up about what matters more or what, how this should actually be done. <laughs> you know. Sure. Well, you know, you know, you know what's interesting, and me, uh, me and Andrew were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Actually, that's the episode that went live this morning. Um, it's really the idea that so the gospel itself, Christ crucified, is one size fits all. But the presentation right. of that truth is not. And the the appropriate mix of love and truth yeah. varies per person. So when 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 you're living this biblical middle ground, it means actually having relationships. Actually knowing people, actually, actually listening to hear them instead of listening to respond, just listening for that one thing where you can jump into that gospel message and then move on to the next one. No, we need to actually know people so that we can learn their mix, you know, how much truth, how much love do they need? you know is 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 their broken more intellectual or is it more emotional and 
that's why there is such a temptation to hold fast to tradition and to hold fast to the way we've always done it because it's one size fits all. We don't have to work at it. We can just go do the thing that we've been taught. We don't have to be vulnerable. We don't have to get to know strangers. We just have to, you know, we just have to preach the gospel because the gospel's one size fits all. And, yeah. And I am just, I'm learning. It's the presentation of it. So, don't hear what I'm not saying. The gospel itself is objective. Christ crucified for our sin in our place is a one-size-fits-all gospel. But the presentation of that truth is not. And we need to love people and care about people and walk alongside people so that we can speak that truth into their lives instead of at them. And I think that that's honestly... It feels like that is the difference maker. When you see the application layer of Jesus, right? When you see what he did, you know, depending on what what style you you have, some people refer to him flipping tables. Some people refer to ser- the Sermon on the Mount. Some people refer to all of these different parts. But the issue is, is that every single one of those parts came from the same person. Yeah. And when... Right, when it's all Jesus. We realize... No, you can't. And you can't separate it either. You can't separate the table-flipping Jesus from the, you know, Sermon on the Mount Jesus. You can't, you uh, you know, you can't separate the Lamb of God from the Lion of Judah. When when you do, you end up with with weird, uh, non non real versions of the uh, of of the Savior, and and you end up with something that isn't isn't real, and. Unfortunately, that is taught and then and then perpetuated on and on and on. And and that's the thing, right? Like we I I tend to see for the people that are fanatical about certain things, you know. My Jesus flips tables. My Jesus only loves people. My Jesus, it's not your Jesus. It's just Jesus, first off. And, and second off, like, <laughs> there tends to be a hook. Like, my Jesus would want me to protect myself. That's the soup of the day right now. For those of you that don't know, there was a, there was a, at the time of this recording, there was a, a very serious tragedy that happened in Texas last week. And so right now, the the topic of conversation is centering around 
guns and rights and all of those kinds of things. And and I in particular, and this is now getting into my context of breaking down the barriers of Christian nationalism and the fact that if you put the American flag in the same conversation as the cross, um, <laughs> you need to reevaluate your priorities. Just just put, putting that out there. <clears throat> and, and but that that yep. gets into why I am a misfit and why I am a uh, am a pariah when it comes to certain crowds and things. And that, yep. The thing that gets me about all of this is, is when you look at the misfits, when you look at this group, at this group of people, right? Never, not a single one of us claims to have this all right. That's why I've said this before, community, and I'll say again: for the love of everything that is holy, and I mean that, do not take. My word for it, do not take brothers Ma- Brother Matthew's word for it. Do not take Andrew's word for it. Do not take any of our word for it. Take the gospel's word for it. Take scripture's word for it. Take God's word for it. All of that kind of stuff. And so we are we are imperfect. We are we are trying to get the beat on this thing. And we seem to be a, a group of people that are trying to figure out what it means to apply truth and love and when you try and figure that out and not say one thing over the other seems to be an entry point a very clear entry point into being considered a misfit you know yeah Uh, imagine that that biblical middle ground where we should all be where we're loving people in spirit and truth and all of those things is the very thing that gets us you know outcast Uh, you know it's it's almost like jesus said that would happen like i don't understand (laughs) we should not be surprised this sucks don't get me wrong it it does get annoying it really does. There, there does come part, come parts in my flesh where I'm like, you know how easy it would be for me to just take up one of these sides and just rally the troops there. At least then I would be supported by a particular group. But it just feels like oh, yeah. other than the random people who truly fundamentally understand kingdom, that that's not that's not something that I get to experience. That's for other people to experience that's not for me to experience this whole idea of unity and 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 you know being having having a support system you know what i mean but that whole idea of being persecuted for living out truth for for declaring truth unfortunately that that's been that's been called many many moons ago that that would happen and and we should not be surprised when that happens you know Right, but the the sad the sad surprise of it all, I guess the shock for me was that that persecution comes from other believers more but than it does thing, from the outside and, and world. And this this might be my brain's ability to recognize patterns kicking in, but that very same concept, at least in concept. It looks different 
for modern day America than it did for ancient day Israel. That concept doesn't seem to be new. Mm-hmm. That that it's it's the people from within that are way yeah. more likely to take umbrage than than the people from without, right? You you don't hear nearly as much of Jesus made all of these waves and so all of the unbelievers came together and everybody hated Jesus, so Jesus got persecuted. That's not what you hear. The people who claimed the name of God were the ones that persecuted him. And and that's and we can get into the whole thing. There's there's been some right. some really insightful things and some really disgusting things talked about that very topic, right? So that's that's not necessarily what we're trying to get it, get into, you know, as far as the the Jewish people and this and that and all the people. But what it boils down to is it's the people that claim the name of God the most fervently seem to be the same exact men that 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 killed him. That, that put him to death, that, that called for his head, right? And, and so that pattern continuing on really seems like it makes sense. Like it tracks with, unfortunately, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's, that's, that's the, the, yeah, that's the thing that sucks the most about this is is that you know, and and I hate to to bring this thing in on in on a landing, but the day in the life of a misfit, this is not an easy road. You know what I mean? Because because it really does. Sure. It, it is that that yeah, it's that attack from within that it sucks. that almost feels more personal because it's feel you take a step back and you're like, well, wait a minute. Aren't we, aren't we worshiping the same God? Shouldn't we find that common ground? You know what I mean, right? Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's the thing, you know, where this is definitely like, it's a God thing, and and it is a it is a redeeming and a changing of that rebellious right. nature, um, because like when you actually live this out. No one would choose this. <laughs> no, trust me. I, I'm coming from a I'm coming from a career in in media production and marketing and like stuff that like you I could build an entire life around that. And I'm actively looking for the exit strategy to get into full time ministry, doing something that for half the people that I talk to about it. They don't want anything to do with this because this doesn't fit mainstream Christianity. This doesn't fit what makes other people feel good and what's the most attractive. We just simply aren't right. that. And, and <laughs> that's not. But but at the same token, like like I was talking to Andrew about it. You know, I I look at my life and I look at my rap sheet and I look at my redemption story and I look at all of this and I'm like, how can I not? I can't, in good conscience, I, I can't ignore this and not tell other people about it just, just so that way I can live a comfortable life. I can't do it. Like, there's, if, and if, if, if I can be redeemed, if I can be looked to, looked to and called to, to be a teacher, to stand in front of this microphone, to have a voice to speak into me? 
No, I need to talk about that. I need to I need to tell people what redemption looks like. And that it is okay that this isn't a gotcha moment. This isn't something that is a trap and things like that. And being able to under, to to situate in a way that also gets the church that has been hearing tradition, that has been hearing all of these things, to, to uh, don't, again, don't take my word for it, but take a second to understand if there are people talking about this, if people are being able to tell their story about preaching this being the reason why they become misfits. And that pulls, and that says something. You need to take a second and take that to God because there's probably more there, you know? So, you know, this is, I think, I think the takeaway from a conversation like this is that there is no this these these episodes? I think the 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 avant garde artist in me loves the fact that these episodes don't have a nice buttoned up, and then I lived happily ever after. No, no, we're still in this. No, we're still in this firefight, man. <laughs> like that's, but but oh, yeah. it's putting lyrics to something that I know I know is not uniquely ours. And and is something that that I you know is is beautiful to unpack because I'm not trying to shy away. That's the point, right? Not trying to shy away from the realities of this. But the only reason why I stand up, you get knocked down, and unfortunately you get knocked down by your own people. You stand back up and you ball them up and you fight. Is because I have been given the gift of the faith to be able to stand and trust the word of God. That that is what makes this worth it. And if there's anything like if there's if there is one, I guess, um, finishing note of a conversation like this is if if you are, you know, if you are hearing this and you are also run down by ministering the word, by pushing forward the gospel, the authentic gospel in truth and in love, and you have been attacked by your own. Stand strong in the faith of the Lord. Understand that don't, yeah. don't rock your brain about how can you muster more faith and all of those kinds of things. No, 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 no. When you stand with God and you are trusting God that you, he he will give you the faith to to continue he will give you that increase that you need and and that's and that's what this boils there's no that doesn't make it all go away but that gives you the ability to 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 persevere and to continue on yeah it's all yeah. God man you know, like like we talked about the last time I was on, you know, it's just it's that utter dependence, the utter reliance on God. It is looking to Christ at all times, not to ourselves to muster up enough faith or have enough strength to do X, Y, Z. Just follow after Christ and you will find the truth 
and you will walk in it because that's because he is truth exactly exactly so on that note um you know why don't you go ahead if you want to hear more from from matthew you know and and hear more of of his work in in reconstructionism and all of those kinds of things let the people know where they can find you okay uh, reconstructedfaithpodcast.com you can find both reconstructed faith and the commuter christian uh, podcast there at the website both are on anchor now on youtube and there's a reconstructed faith facebook group where i post everything there as well um you can find me at twitter at recon faith pod um instagram although i don't really use it um and then you can just search me on facebook as well i'm always doing updates as i work through all of these things 